Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. You're watching The Hash on Coindesk TV. And if you're listening, you are listening on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Your three favorite hash hosts are here on a Thursday morning. I'm Jen Sinassi. We got Zach Seward. And Will Foxley for the three box. Hey, guys. Hey, going? Going. It's going. It's going good. I think Zach's got the first story, some Twitter drama. Yeah, you could call it that. Or just Elon Musk doing the Elon <laughs> Musk thing. Goes out here and says, yo, I'm rich. I'm ready to make this thing happen. I'm going to buy Twitter. If, if I have to go straight to the shareholders to do it, I will do that. I will spend $46 billion to make this happen. And he is out here saying this thing. I guess he really wants Twitter. It's interesting to see him writing this story for the length of time that he has done so. So yeah, let's talk about this. A lot of speculation as to whether or not Elon Musk will introduce more crypto features to Twitter should he be successful in his quest to buy the social media giant. But still, it's all a bit TBD. But here's this latest ploy saying, hey, I'll go to the shareholders if I need to. Well, I'm going to toss it down to you. What is your thought on the latest here from Elon Musk? So a little bit separately, yesterday he also announced a new funding round for the Boring Company, which is like a, a company that basically makes tunnels underground so people can drive on them. So it's a it's another company that is now worth a billion dollars that he has founded. So that's like a side note, pretty interesting to look at all the successful companies that he has funneled money into or put time into. And now he set his eyes on Twitter, which is the public square. Uh, so it's fascinating from my perspective to look at these things, but like he just keeps nailing it and being successful with them and like leading the really the bleeding edge of technology here. And then he's circling back and wants to influence the the town hall, the public square, and and, and really own that center of conversation. He keeps saying that he wants it to be like a platform for free speech. He wants to open that up more. He wants to take away all the moderation. Uh, that he thinks has been unfair to both sides of political parties and both sides of political bents. So hopefully that is the case. I think Twitter should be a place for free speech. On the other hand, it's difficult to say that someone's going to do it correctly, right? There's a lot going on on Twitter. There's a lot of conversations on Twitter. It's really hard to build these tools. It's really hard to build uh, autom- like API curated automation tools that can filter out really negative things 
across Twitter. I think anyone who's been on Twitter for a little bit gets some sort of weird DM or gets a response from somebody they don't want to get a response from. It's just part of being on Twitter. And I think for the most part, Twitter does a decent job at it. Lately, the bots have been just like out of control. But for the most part, I think people would say like, you you don't have as much stuff as you maybe think you would have with how broad of an application Twitter is. But it's not good enough for Elon. He wants to change it completely and he wants to go in there and make it available for everyone. Jenna, I'll throw it to you and get your take on this. I just want to say what a time to be alive. I just love that we can live through Elon Musk's era and see him do all of these wonderful things. I mean, every company he touches hits a billion dollars. And I I don't know what Twitter will look like if he is able to acquire it. I've said this on the show before. I just wonder if Elon's vision for Twitter is the same as the Twitter user's vision for the future. And maybe it is. And if so, I hope that he gets it. For me, this story has really shone a light on the Twitter board. So I was reading yesterday some Jack Dorsey tweets. He's come out and said that the Twitter board has been dysfunctional for a very long time. I think there was a tweet that said he would love to talk about it, but he actually can't. And so I wonder what's going to come out of this Elon Musk Twitter saga when it comes to the actual Twitter board. Jack Dorsey is going to be leaving the board this year, I believe, at the end of May. And so I wonder what kind of repercussions it's going to have for those people who who sit on the board. And I guess we'll just have to wait and see, as I say so often on this show. Uh, I mean, it also comes uh, you know, right on the heels of Tesla earnings. They shared an update on their Bitcoin holdings, definitely remained unchanged in quarter one. They have $1.26 billion in Bitcoin sitting in the reserve there over on in Tesla proper. So Tesla is still a force within the Bitcoin world. So it's going to be interesting to see if this ultimately comes to pass. If we're going to see Twitter, Elon's vision, Twitter EV, the hard fork of Twitter into Twitter EV. Uh, Think about the pretty, memes. It would be pretty wild. There would be some pretty spicy memes in Twitter <laughs> EV. And who knows? I don't know. Maybe it'll happen. But yeah, let's move on. Who's next? I think I'm next. Let's talk about Coinbase. Coinbase is looking to acquire Turkish Bitcoin exchange, BTC Turk, for about $3.2 billion. It's one of the oldest crypto exchanges, founded in 2013, and they have a decent amount of users, about 4 million. Uh, so we've seen Coinbase moving in a few different markets, international markets. They're talking to an exchange down in South America about acquiring them. I think it's Brazil. Now looking at this exchange in Turkey. So far, Coinbase, is, uh, like its key user base has been within the United States. Uh, but they are looking to move international, which would confront them with Binance, which is the largest exchange uh, by volumes and by users. Binance has been all over the world, and it used to be a pretty common headline to see them just jumping from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. I haven't seen those headlines too much recently, uh, but Coinbase is coming on the opposite route. It really focused on the United States, and now it's going out and acquiring these exchanges, or at least trying to acquire them. Another backstory here is the decline of the lira, which is the local Turkish currency, which has plummeted over the last year. Uh, the government there has been doing everything it can to shore up the lira and make it a stronger currency for the local population. But from what I've read is that Turkey has been dollarizing very quickly. Uh, local Turkians, I don't know how you pronounce it or what you'd say, people from Turkey Turkish are people. Turkish people, I guess. They are selling their lira for dollars. And crypto exchanges have done really well there because you can move in and out of a local currency and into something like a stable coin that is pegged to the dollar very, very quickly. Uh, Jen, I want to throw a story over to you and get your take on it. Yeah. So we saw Coinbase really ramping up their overseas 
relevance, right? I believe that they acquired 2TM, which is the owner of Mercado Bitcoin in Brazil. And we talk a lot on this show about inflation in Latin America. And I wanted to touch on the financial state of Turkey. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Will. I didn't actually realize what a dire state it was in. So Turkey's consumer price index for food and non-alcoholic beverages showed a rise of 70.3% year over year for March. And to put that into perspective, there's this plum that the Turkish people traditionally enjoy at the beginning of spring. It's the beginning of spring now. And I was reading that a two kilogram bag of these plums now costs $50 when the average minimum wage for people in Turkey is $290 a month. So it's no surprise to see that people in Turkey are so bullish on crypto when we think of it as a hedge against inflation. And it's no surprise to see Coinbase going after these acquisitions. I think we saw Binance have a lot of regulatory issues in a lot of different jurisdictions. And so I think it's smart when we see exchanges who have made it big in North America, not actually go and trying to get all of those licenses, but scoop up an exchange that has made a name for themselves. They already have the licenses. They maybe are already playing nicely with regulators and then they can gain their foothold in that way. But Zach, I saw your hand go up. It's been a while. I get to do a real fact check. They didn't actually buy 2TM yet. They're reported to be in talks Uh, or reported to be near to a deal. So it seems as though some of these talks are happening in different jurisdictions around the world. The broader point stands though, and Jen, you're certainly right. Other exchanges have been doing this as well. We had FTX by a Japanese exchange called Liquid. We have other people looking to stand up sort of local outposts of a global crypto exchange empire. And Coinbase doesn't want to miss out on that. They don't want to miss out on that trend. I think they're trying to identify promising markets. Certainly, you know, Brazil, Latin America is kind of popping. Certainly Turkey is popping for a number of the the bigger economic issues that you highlighted there. It's going to be interesting to see who might be next. Is there someone in Africa that Coinbase is speaking with? Is there someone else in Latin America that Coinbase is speaking with? That's the reporting I think that we're going to be doing coming up to see if there are other similar deals that are reportedly in the works. But right now, nothing is closed. We've got two ones that have been reported as being talked about. Going to be interesting to see if Coinbase can seal the deal here and get some of that growth that, you know, shareholders on the public stock market seem to covet a lot, right? We had the NFT launch in beta yesterday. Coinbase is in growth mode. They're looking for whatever can juice that stock price, what can whatever can pump up exchange volume so that, you know, Wall Street analysts view them more favorably going forward. So it's going to be interesting to see if end up, you know, planting their flag in different uh, countries around, around the world. It's going to be interesting to see who's next. Uh, Will, I'm going to toss to you for uh, last thoughts on this one. I see Coinbase continue to add to more jurisdictions going forward. Like Binance gobbled up a large part of the globe, and that had its trade-offs because they've had to hop from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. They pissed off a lot of people, to be frank. Coinbase has gone very slowly. They've made sure that they've crossed all the T's, dotted all the I's, and now they're ready to grow and have a lot of the capital to be able to do it after going public in the United States. So I'd expect to see more of this happening going into this year and into next year. Yeah, big picture. You know, this is a global economy, a global technology, but it, it exists within you know national frameworks. That's why there's a Binance US, and that's why there are these local outposts of global brands that can exist across borders, but they're still confined by sort of like national regulations and national ways to go about business. So interesting to see it go down. All right, Jen, I think you have another exchange story coming up. What do you got? Yes. Speaking of Binance, so if you were on Twitter yesterday, you saw that Binance is in hot water after an emoji blunder. So they revealed a Twitter emoji, also known as a hash flag, that users pointed out resembled a swastika. 
So after a flood of responses expressing shock, Binance deleted its tweets and said, we're not sure how that emoji got through several layers of review without anyone noticing. So a branding blunder. This apparently went through an entire marketing team and made it to Twitter. Zach, what? Well, first of all, where were you when you first saw the emoji and what were your thoughts? I don't know. I was like working on something else and Danny Nelson was like, uh, I think Binance just has like a swastika looking emoji on Twitter. What is going on? And then they quickly announced the whoopsie. That was bad. That was embarrassing, as you saw in the tweet uh, that took it down. Yeah, bit of a funny one. Kind of a self-inflicted wound on this one. And ouch. Ouch to whoever had to fall on the sword after this blunder yesterday, because that is not fun. I think it was also Adolf Hitler's birthday yesterday. So there was just a weird confluence of details that Mm -hmm. were probably probably made for a pretty bad day in in the Binance marketing department. But yeah, I don't know what more to say about that one than ouch. So Jan, back to you. Yeah. So for me, I thought about this and I thought like, this is the reason why people who have decision making power should be diverse. So when you're thinking about your company and you think about the people who make decisions and who approve these kinds of things, think about the diversity. And I really encourage people not to only think about gender and race, but it's about experience and age and religion. And if you really have a mix of diversity, I think you can avoid situations like this. If people who come from different backgrounds feel like they have a voice and feel like they have sway in a company, I think that that is one step towards maybe not having something like this happen at your company. I don't know, Will, what did you take away from it? Well, I feel like a swastika is pretty noticeable across the board. So it's probably just like, it a, is. A pretty classic, <laughs> like a mistake. I think like what happens with these things, like if I was going to look from the outside and try to reverse engineer it, it's like, Someone comes up with a design or an idea, and it's normally like a mid-level manager. And then everyone underneath him is like, oh, I don't want to say they're wrong because that's obviously we shouldn't do it. And then they're like, okay, we'll just like keep moving up the food chain. And it slowly gets to a place where it launches. Nobody's really checking. Somebody had a bad idea, and no one really gut checked them because it's a big corporation at this point. And then you end up making a mistake. Big brands do this from time to time. They make mistakes. This one was pretty bad. And like Zach said, Adolf Hitler's birthday... That's pretty like the, the stars aligned for them to look really, really stupid. But this does happen for big brands from time to time. Uh, there was a KFC tweet, I think, from like last year on Women's Day about where women should be working. And it was like, oh, should you really have tweeted that? That was a, that was a pretty bad idea. And so it, it happens with these big brands because I think the corporate structure doesn't allow for people to really check on each other as, as well as like a, a smaller company or startup does where uh, you're just like, you're on top of people because your brand is everything. So that's my takeaway from it. But I think your point is valid as well. Back to you. Yeah, I feel like, you know, if there were women who felt empowered in that decision-making process at KFC, maybe that ad wouldn't have come to fruition. So I hear your point, Will. I think that for Binance, they had like a good run after their regulatory woes, right? They had the Grammys and They have made a strategic investment in Forbes and now, oh no, the branding department has messed up. So hopefully they can come back from this with a cooler hash flag. That's all I got. What's the new one already? They do have one one already. They they swapped it out pretty fast. What does it look like? They have a new one? Does it look like? It's just like a B symbol. Safe. 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 (laughs) safe. All right, cool. All right, we'll leave it there for the hash today. Thanks for tuning in on Thursday. 
We are coming to you live on Coindesk TV, also on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Check out the podcast version of us. It's fun. It's edited. It's smooth. It's so nice. It's the hash for your ears. Check it out wherever you download podcasts. It's fun. I'm Zach Seward. That's Jen Sinassi in the middle. That is Will Foxley over there on the other end of the screen. We are the hash. We're wishing you well. And yeah, have a good day. See everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. 